0: So let us hear from God's Word, Psalm 90, Psalm 90, uh, verses 10 through 12. Psalm 90, verses 10 through 12. Let us hear God's Word. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it soon is cut off and we fly away. Now see, for some folks that didn't think that old hymn, I'll Fly Away, was biblical, it's right there, it's right there. But anyway. (laughs) Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us, Lord, to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God, let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and for the inspiration of it. Now may it speak to our hearts and lives in such a way that we will be challenged, that we will be changed and that we will never get over it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are starting our Life Point 4.0 and it is the life, Life Song, not Life Point. That's another church in town. I'll give them a plug, all right? But anyway, good church great pastor. But anyway, the uh, Life Church, my uh, Church, that's another church in town. But anyway, so <laughs> That's also a great church, great pastor, amen. But anyway, Life Song 4.0 is what we're talking about. And we're talking about popular music and the messages or the expressions that it has and how we really do believe that the gospel is the answer to the questions that met, met a lot of music. And, and music means so much and uh, not not just the lyrics but also just the music. It, there's a And music, and and we're looking at how that um, is is a way of expression And then what the gospel has to say about that Now we're starting with the song that you just heard a while ago Called I'm in a hurry and don't know why I mean that right there may really speak to some people's lives in here I'm just going to go ahead and tell you That sometimes I am stepping on my own toes with certain sermons But this time I am stomping on my own toes with this sermon. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. I'm just, I, I'm not preaching this to you this morning. I am preaching it with you this morning because I am right there with you and uh, and and struggling. The struggle is real when it comes to living a life of hurry. Um, we're, uh, this song was a song, it was a hit song from Alabama. Um, it uh, I mean from the singing group Alabama. Uh, it was written by Roger Murrah and Randy Van Warmer and recorded by American Country Music Band Alabama. It was released in September of 1992. It just doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but... Man, it makes me feel old. But anyway, September 1992 as the second single from their album, American Pride. Uh, The song hit number one on both the U.S. Billboard Hot Country Songs chart and the Canadian RPM Country Tracks chart as well. And And the singer talks about the pressure of trying to move in society at breakneck pace or at a breakneck speed and then really wonders why He's doing it all. The chorus says this: "I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why." Uh, one of the uh, one of the verses or one of the places says that you know there's no room for second place. And that just reminds me of what that theologian Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights, the legend of Ricky Bobby, you remember what he says, if you're not first, you're last. And, and, um, and, but you know, and that is the way we live our life, it seems sometimes. And you know, that really is not what God, uh, intended for us. In fact, A real theologian by the name of Dallas Willard, not Ricky Bobby, a real theologian by the name of Dallas Willard said this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life in our day. And because of hurry, we, it has led to an outrage culture. It has led to anxiety in many people's lives. And it has even led to breakdowns of marriages and families. All because of this pace of hurry. We, Find it in everywhere that we turn. We find it in families. We find it with parents expecting it of children. Sometimes children expecting it of parents. Sometimes, and we live a hurry and in a hurry and don't know. Why? So I want to just kind of go to that and talk about that with that song in mind this morning and talk about the life of hurry. Why do we stay in a hurry? Number one, why do we stay in a hurry? I believe there's some reasons that we, and as a society, we as individuals seem to just live this life of hurry sometimes, but there's several reasons. Number one, many of us end up in a hurry because of poor planning. Poor planning. And sometimes I've seen it in my own life, if I don't plan out very good, and I'm not a great planner, I'll just go ahead and tell you that. But if I don't plan out ahead of time, okay, it's going to take me this long to be here, and then I got this between this meeting and then that. In fact, last week I was meeting with a couple of different folks throughout the day, some of it counseling, some of it other things like that. And each time, every every one of those meetings on that day, for whatever reason... I was about five minutes late. I'd have to call the office and say, Hey, so-and-so's going to be there. Just tell them I'm on my way. I'll be there in about five minutes. And it seemed that it happened each time. Now, that was not anybody's fault but mine. And so poor planning will lead us to live a life in a hurry. Number two is this, procrastination. I know nobody else in this house of worship today ever procrastinates. But I do sometimes. Now, we who procrastinate, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, and y'all will agree with us. We like to say it's because we work better under pressure, right? That's what it is. And sometimes whether it's to get a paper done or a school project done or get a sermon done or things like that, or or, or, or a project for work done and all, we seem to procrastinate. And all of a sudden, oh, I can just watch a couple more Netflix shows, you know, just w- one more episode, one more episode, and then I I'm going to get started on it, That kind of thing. We procrastinate and we end up in a hurry. And sometimes we don't even get it done in time. And then the third is this. We end up in a hurry sometimes because of our inability to say no. I know nobody else in here has that problem, do, do you? I mean, am I the only one? Inability to say no. Um, this happens for many reasons. Some is we really do want to be helpful. And and we can... That That's a good trait to be helpful. But listen, if we can't say no to anything, then we're really not going to be able to say yes to the things and be as helpful as we need to be. We will be trying to do way too much. Sometimes we don't like to say no because there are parts in our heart there are parts in us that that feel like if we say no then we're somehow we're we're somehow gonna disappoint people we're somehow they're not gonna be happy with us or and we wanna we can't stand the thought of somebody not being happy with us and 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 you know all of those different parts and I'll tell you I've worked with a counselor trying to help me uh, identify those parts and why I may feel like I have to say yes to so much and not say no. But our inability to say no can keep us in a hurry. In fact, Corey Tim Boone said this if the devil can't make you sin, he will just make you busy. And how many times do we know that because we are busy, And we can be busy with good things. We can be too busy with good things. I think we should be somewhat busy with good things, but we shouldn't be so busy with so many things that we cannot do what God wants us to do and be who God wants us to be. And so we need to understand our inability to say no leads to a life of hurry. So if we know why we stay in a hurry... The second question is this. How do we know we are too busy or living a hurried life? Uh, The pastor, John Mark Comer, talks about this thing called hurry sickness and and that many of us are addicted to hurry and and because it's just part of who we are and what we do all the time. And and, uh, hurry sickness is when a person feels chronically hurried. Do you ever feel like that? Like, oh man, today's going to be a hurry, and oh, tomorrow's not going to be any better because I'm going to be in a hurry to get there and get that, and I'm going to be in a hurry to get home and cook dinner and, and, and a hurry to do this. And, and, and it just seems like chronically we find ourselves in a hurry. Well, here's a few uh, of, of things that you can look for to know if you have hurried sickness. A lady by the name of Rosemary Sword is what's called a time perspective Therapist. Now, I don't know if we have any of those here in town, but they, they look at time perspective, and then I'm sure they charge you $150. But anyway, I um, and, and, t- can tell you this, but here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. If, you're, if you have hurry sickness, here's some of the signs. Number one is this. You move from one checkout line to another because it's shorter. <laughs> I know nobody here ever does that, right? But well, Listen to this one. It gets better. When stopped at a stoplight, you count the cars in front of you and change lanes if there's less in the lane beside you. Like two more cars is going to get you there two seconds earlier. You know what I'm saying? And then here's the third one. You multitask to the point you forgot one of the tasks. And sometimes, you know, we're, we're between technology and all these other things. Sometimes we're, we're, we're not built to multitask that much. We are built to concentrate on one Thing uh, and to do that well. And so, uh, hurry leads to many things. Hurry leads to a lack of rest. Now, you may sleep, but you're really not resting if you're always in a hurry. Your sleep is just kind of sleeping. It's not really resting. Did you know, here's just one tidbit um, that, that Comer found from his, uh, from his research. Prior to the light bulb, the average North American slept 11 hours a night. Some of you are saying, oh, praise the Lord, can't we go back to that? You know, what? Some of you may do that now. I don't know. but um, and, and now it's, the average is about seven hours a night. But it was 11 hours a night before the light bulb. And I reckon the light bulb came along so so people could stay up later and all. And I used to hear about, you know, these ancient theologians or these old theologians before the light bulb. I, I heard you would hear about John Wesley would get up every morning at 4 a.m. and pray for an hour and read the Bible for an hour and all of this. Well, now I know why. He went to bed at 5 30 in the afternoon so he should have been able to do that amen but but um we still should be getting up early and reading the bible but but so some of the things but a hurried life will lead to irritability now now i'm just going to go ahead and say if this is applying to any of the people beside you like spouses or kids or, or parents or something you may not want to poke them right away okay but here it is it leads to irritability It leads to finding ways of escape, and for some, that can be alcohol, for some, that can be drugs, for some, that can be binging on Netflix, for some, that can be just, you know, uh, uh, going, uh, just finding an escape in in other ways. Uh, It leads to cannot stop working or cannot disconnect. In other words, you feel like you're just not being productive if you're not doing something for the office or for work every minute, even when you're not at work. And, um, and here's the biggest thing that it leads to, it leads to slacking off on spiritual disciplines, slacking off on our spiritual disciplines. And so we got to realize when we're living a life of hurry. So why should we avoid hurry? Two reasons here. The first is this, we need to, re, we need to avoid hurry because we, make, we will make better choices. If we are not hurried, we will make better choices. I remember some years ago, somebody hurried me into buying a car. I didn't end up liking that car. I didn't like it when I bought it. But they, they hurried and, 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 and just, I mean, made me think that I had to have that car and I, won't, I, I really wanted to go home and think about it. And, and the next thing I know, I had that car and I owned it for about three years and had it in the shop more than I drove it because it was a lemon and, and I should have went with my gut on that and I should not have been hurried and I made a bad decision. Hurry can make you make bad decisions. We don't use good wisdom whenever we are hurrying. In fact, the other day I was on the phone. It was an important call and, and with another pastor, and I was talking and, and in the other room, and my youngest daughter, Trinity, comes in, and, and she says, Here, Dad, try this. And I'm saying, I'm on the phone. She said, Well, just try this. And so that I would hurry and get her out of the room, I just went ahead and grabbed it threw it in my mouth and guess what? It was the hot chip challenge. (laughs) Now I like jalapenos and hot stuff but I'm just going to tell you right now that was the hottest chip I had ever put in my mouth and, and and then she was videoing me while I was like drinking milk and stuffing bread in there and I'm and I'm like saying Why why? I got off the phone. He later called me a wimp. I said, No no you need to try that. You need to try that. Anyway, but uh and and so finally I'm telling you, my tears were coming out and they were burning. The tears were burning coming out. I've never touched anything so hot. It had like Carolina Reaper and all that good stuff in there. And it was just a little piece of the chip. There ain't no way I could that, and Walgreens sells those things. I'm like, what in the world? Anyway, and, and I finally got it out of my mouth. I, got the, I finally got the taste and the burning out of my mouth. And then about 20 minutes later, that's when it hit here. Oh my gracious! I was in the fetal position on one couch. Got up, went to get in the fetal position on another couch. By then Trinity knew it was serious, and and was like thinking, "Oh my, I I might have killed my dad." You know what I mean? And and, uh, and and sweat was coming off my face. And finally, I won't tell you what happened from there. But anyway, <laughs> I I got some relief. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, and, and and got some relief. But but the thing about it is is that we need to understand that hurry will cause us to make bad decisions. It will cause us to make bad decisions. Um, The second is this. We should avoid hurry because our love for God and others cannot grow when hurried. Our love for God and others cannot grow when we are in a hurry. Our love, listen, folks, we time and attention, time and attention is essential for love. And when we are in a great hurry, there's no way that we're going to be given the time and the attention where we need to give it. In fact, W. F. Adams, who was C.S. Lewis's spiritual director, he, he called it, he, he called hurry the death of prayer. He said. Hurry is the death of prayer. And to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Because you cannot truly love when you're in a hurry. That's why Paul, whenever he writes in 1 Corinthians, and it's known as the 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's known as the love chapter, he starts it out by saying, love is patient. Love is patient. And we cannot Truly love the way we need to if we're always in a hurry. So, how do we begin to eliminate hurry? This is where I want to kind of zoom in on today. First of all, we have to see time as a gift instead of an expendable currency. We have to see time as a gift instead of an expendable currency. Uh, you know, think about how we talk about time. We talk about time the very same we talk about way that we talk about money. We talk about saving time. we talk about how we spend our time. We talk about trying not to waste our time. And so we've made time just another currency of life in whatever other way. And sometimes time definitely is more valuable than money. There's no doubt of that. Serving sometimes can be uh, more valuable than any dollar amount that you give. Now, if you want to give, we won't turn that down either. But anyway, just, just wanted to let you know But here's the thing about it is, we need to see time not as a currency, but we need to see time as a gift. Because that's why Psalm 90 verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, teach us to truly see our days, time as a gift. Whether it's 70 days, well, I mean, 70 years, whether it's 80 years, hopefully now with medical science, that was all before medical science. Hopefully now it's 90 years, 100. You know, we just had a recent member, our oldest member pass away, and he was 106 years old. And I might have told y'all this last, last week, but somebody asked him, a doc, his doctor asked him, what was his secret? And he said, keep breathing. That's a good one. Amen. Amen. But we need to see time as truly a gift. Number two is this. We have to live a life of pace. Understand that. Live a life of pace. That's what, that's what God's really wanting to do is walk with us in a slow, unhurried pace. We need some practical things that we can help pace ourselves with. I mean, think about things. Here, here's a good practical one. We call it the 30-minute margin. And what you do with the 30-minute margin is no matter what time you have to be somewhere, no matter what time you have to leave, go ahead and plan to do it 30 minutes ahead of time. That means get up 30 minutes earlier than you were going to get up. That means leave 30 minutes earlier than you were going to leave. Now, you might say, well, Tim, if I do that, I'm going to end up at work or I'm going to end up somewhere 30 minutes ahead of time. Exactly. And you can sit back and relax for 30 minutes or drink your cup of coffee or listen to some praise and worship while everybody else is out there hollering at the people in front of them and beeping and trying to get somewhere on time. Leave that 30-minute margin. And I promise you, when you do, First of all, you never know what you're going to run into on the way. You never know what's going to be coming your way. Or you never know uh, if traffic's going to be blocked or you have to take a detour. But the other thing is, you will just be a lot more relaxed when you get there. Number two and number three is this. We have to fully trust in God. See, the reason many times we can't say no is because we think... If we don't say yes, then there's no other way it's going to get done. And there's certain things in our lives that we just have to trust God with. We have to just know that, yes, you know what? Uh, I might not do it this time, but God's going to supply that need. God's going to do what needs to be done. And so sometimes we have to trust God with that. Sometimes we have to trust God with our kids. And we might be able to say, well, you know what? I can't, they're going to have to make some choices on their own. And I got to trust God. There's some things I can't be in control of. And I need to trust God with that. Because trusting God really will help us to live a unhurried life. Trusting in Him. Uh, Communion reminds us of how we can trust God. I, I love uh, a story I read uh, of a little boy named Zach and his dad. Uh, they, were, they were doing some hiking and, and around these little cliffs and all, and, and uh, the little boy got a little bit ahead of him. And about that time, his dad hears something say, Hey, Dad. And about the time the dad looks up, the little boy had already jumped. And he jumped right into his dad's arm. Of course, his dad almost fell and everything. And when he caught and got himself together, he said, Zach, why in the world didn't you call out for me first instead of jumping first, not knowing if, if I would catch you? He said, because you're my dad. You're my dad. And folks, let me tell you something. We can, we can, we can go ahead and release control To the one who is in control because of what we saw him do for us. Jesus died on a cross, and that's what we're reminded with at this holy meal is, is that, and that's why we should just slow down, be still, and trust in him. And if we can trust him for salvation, Folks, we can trust Him for whatever it is in our life that we need to turn over to Him so that we don't have to live a life of hurry. That's what I pray that we will do today. Lord, we thank You for Your mercy and for Your grace. Now, Lord, I pray that You will help us to not be addicted to hurry, but that we will slow down, that we will stop, that we will be still and know that you are God. That we will just allow you to rule and reign in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: We have not loved our neighbors, and when we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven.
0: In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory Glory to to God, God. Amen. Amen. On a night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it, gave it to his disciples after he blessed it and said, This is my body which is given for you. Take, eat, and as often as you do, do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, said to his disciples, This is my blood that is shed for you for the remission of your sins. Take and drink of this, and as often as you do, do it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you now for these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us, the body and blood of Christ, so that we might be for you, the body of Christ, redeemed by your blood. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in mission and ministry to all the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If those that are assisting would come at this time, We have uh, communion stewards at each uh, section. Um, Also, if you need gluten-free, let your steward know, and there's gluten-free at each uh, level. And then, uh, if you are are feel more comfortable doing the pre-cased, then just come to this station up here. Make your way to this station up here, and you can get a pre-cased. But also, we'll have it running as a regular station too. But it will. the uh, prepackaged will be up here as well. Remember, you do not have to be a member here or anywhere. It is simply taking a step towards Christ Jesus and towards repentance and towards giving your life to Him in whatever way that means this morning for you. So now the table is ready. Come now, and you'll go to the front of each section and on the side that you're at. You'll start from the inside and go back around into the outside. Let us come. The table is ready.
2: This is where grace begins. I
0: we think about what it means to go out and to live a life that's not hurried, we know that there are many that are feeling hurried and hurt right now, especially in Florida and the path of Hurricane Ian, and so right now I just want to pray a special prayer. Lord, we lift up all of those that have been affected in any way by the hurricane. Lord, we know that when we combine in faith, Lord, that you listen, Lord. And, and so we pray that you will just move in a mighty way in each of their lives, Lord. And the rebuilding and the restoration, and even some are still in rescue efforts, God. But Lord, we pray for all of that to go as planned, Lord, and for you to move in mighty ways there. Now help us as a people to appreciate life and to live it in a pace so that we can live it in peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.